0: This week, we discuss cannabis as personalized medicine, combating the legacy of Pablo Escobar, and how Colombia might have the last laugh, coming up next on Critical Grass. Get it, man, and get with the countdown. Shake this square world and blast off for Kicksville. Critical
1: Grass. It's stimulating, mind-expanding, safer to use than alcohol. It's the in-thing the hula hoop of the jet generation, and as much a part of growing up as smoking corn silk behind the back fence. Critical grass. He's looked at both the pros and cons of blowing pot. He's not convinced that grass is all that harmful, but there is room for a lot of doubt. Why don't we wait and see? There's a lot of testing to be done before we'll know all the facts.
0: Critical grass.
1: from colombia i'm a general practitioner uh, with a postgraduate in medical law and in hiv and now i am working with cannabis as a huge tool for my patients
0: Well, hello there, damas y caballeros. That was Sol Brigada with the aptly titled Bogotá Funk. Bogotá, of course, being the lovely capital of Colombia, where this week's guest hails from. Dr. Paula Pineda Villegas, also known as the Cannabis Doctor, is a staunch advocate of cannabis as medicine. She has practices in Bogotá and Medellín, where she specializes in HIV treatment and medical law and she has treated over 1,000 patients with ailments ranging from HIV to epilepsy and collaborates with other cannabis-friendly doctors and companies throughout Latin America and beyond. In addition to treating patients, she works as an advocate for the group Curativa and holds speeches and lectures at various cannabis-related conferences and events. So far, the bulk of the Critical Grass podcast guests have come from either North America or Europe, so Dr. Paula would be the first from a South American country. Now, the laws and culture surrounding cannabis in South America can vary quite significantly compared to Europe and the U.S., so I was curious as to how Dr. Paola got started down her path of cannabis as medicine.
1: Okay, it was a really interesting uh, story. I used to work with HIV patients, and one of my patients was everything, had everything fine with the HIV. The load, the viral load was uncontrolled and the CD4 was in a good relation, but uh, he had a terrible pain and he suffered uh, from insomnia. That means that the quality of life uh, of this patient was uh, no good. Uh, someday, this patient asked me, uh, please, doctor, help me with that because everything with my HIV is fine, but I am not uh, living in a good way. I started to do, as all doctors did, start to bring some painkillers, then some medicine for the insomnia, but nothing works. One month, she he came to my place and said, I'm going to stop all the antiretroviral medicines <clears throat> because the insomnia is not going to kill me. The pain is not going to kill me. But if I stop the antiretrovirals, the virus is going to kill me. Let me do something like that. I say uh, let me study, uh, uh, I, I have another propose, why we don't study the next month and maybe uh, you and me can find something better for you. He said, okay, okay, let's study this month and next month we, will, uh, we were talking about. <clears throat> uh, next month, he came to my hospital, to my place and said, okay, doctor, I was reading uh, some information about cannabis. Uh, Can I try it? And I say, yes, I don't have problem. If you want to try cannabis because you feel that it's going to help you, just do it and let me know what is going on. Three days after, he called me and say, doctor, my pain is 70% less and I could sleep the last three nights. I said, wow. You know, uh, as a doctor in the HIV field, I have a lot of chronic patients with insomnia, with neuropathic pain, with metabolic problems, with everything as a chronic patient. And I say, okay, this is a good opportunity. I want to study a little bit. Uh, And I started to study. It was like in 2011, 2012, something like that. I don't remember the exact date. But uh, now I have like more than 3000 patients um, most of them are already dead because, you know, in cannabis, we have a lot of cancer patients and with seriously uh, chronic disease. But this is the uh, beginning of the history and the history is really interesting for me.
0: So insomnia and pain management were the initial ailments that Dr. Paola was asked to help with by her patient, and not surprisingly, this is what most casual users of cannabis will say they use it for. However, in this case, Dr. Paola was dealing with a very serious illness with potentially lethal consequences, and the pain associated with HIV and other chronic illnesses is no casual matter. If you are a patient with severe pain... Regardless of the disease, this is what you want dealt with quickly and effectively. Dr. Paula's HIV patient was in this very situation and managed to convince her to try prescribing cannabis after all other methods were exhausted and proven ineffective. Which makes me wonder, how is it possible that a patient was able to convince a doctor to try such a controversial substance and how is it that such experimental treatment didn't get all that much attention at the time?
1: You know, I, as Cristina Sanchez and Manuel Guzman said, we are in the paradise, just in many things. Because, you know, our weather is perfect for cannabis, but uh, no many people know about this thing. Cannabis is legal in Colombia since 1986, yep. 30 years ago, 33 years ago. What was the problem? We have a law in 1986, but this law was not regulated in the last 30 years. But as a doctor, when you have a law, a law uh, which say that you can prescribe cannabis, you don't need to wait more regulation. You need to start to work because the most important thing is the patient. It's not the bureaucracy and laws and the system. and with that law, uh, when I started to work uh, with more patients, I, I, I talked with a, uh, uh, with a lawyer and I say, OK, can I use this law to prescribe medicine uh, for my patient? And he said, yes, of course, you can do it. Because remember, all doctors have another important law, which is the ethical law. And the most important thing is the patient. The important thing is not is the uh, the product has FDA or in BIMA, which is the most important regulation uh, place for us. It's like FDA in USA. But uh, if the patient, if you are not doing something wrong wrong to the patient, you can use things that you know that are good for them. What happened then? I started to work with the patient and I started to work with local growers, small growers. Um, And as most of my patients uh, were in a critical condition, they started like to talk uh, between them and many, many people started to come to my place. Uh, but in 2014, 2013 in Colombia uh, started all the regulation program. Now we have better laws. We have a huge uh, regulation program that if people want to work with cannabis, need a license to grow, to transform the, the, the plants, to export, to research, and to have seats. Uh, Many, many companies from different uh, countries around the world are uh, investing money here to have the license. But what happened? Patients can't wait all the regulation program. And we have some um, sentence from the court that say that if you need to use a substance without the FDA and all of that things different in everywhere, the only thing that you need is have the clinical data of the patient that's mean that you know your patient, you have a consult with the patient, then you have a informed consent, yes. And you have a specific prescription for your patient. That's the way that I am working now in Colombia.
0: Dr. Paula referenced two names there, doctors Cristina Sanchez and Manuel Guzman, both of whom have been doing tremendous research on the medical uses of cannabis in Spain, one of whom was even a guest on this very podcast. I'll let you dig through the archive to find that one out on your own. Either way, they're very correct in describing Colombia as a paradise for cannabis, especially if you consider the fact that Bogotá has spring-like weather and the geographic conditions for growing excellent quality cannabis year-round. I was quite surprised to learn from Dr. Paula that the use of cannabis for medical purposes is legal in Colombia and has been so for over 30 years. In 1986, the Colombian government passed Law 30, also known as the National Narcotics Statute, which, among other things, allows for the cultivation and manufacture of products with cannabis. The major problem with this law was that it was never regulated as a result of the massive problems generated by drug trafficking in the country. So for decades, the authorities didn't really bother with research on any potential benefits of the substance, as they had other priorities, to put it mildly. But this lack of attention by the authorities has allowed doctors like Dr. Paula to perform some experimental treatments on patients using cannabis. Unlike her North American or European counterparts for that matter, Dr. Paula employed a very direct, pragmatic approach. Patients simply cannot wait for the law or for the system to help them with immediate pain and suffering. Under such a scheme where the well-being of patients is put on hold so that lawmakers or pharmaceutical companies can deem something legal or illegal or safe to use or too risky, patients and doctors are turned into criminals, the last thing that either group needs. Well, what is nice about the medical laws in Colombia is that all doctors must follow the laws of ethics, meaning the patient's well-being comes first. And here we learn that doctors get to work directly with patients and local growers and not with Big Pharma in one of their corporate offices several thousand kilometers away. So how does one exactly go about getting a cannabis prescription in Colombia under the current scheme?
1: We still don't have uh, products in the commercial pharmacy or we don't have dispensaries. The thing is, you need to go first to the doctor, then the doctor do all the papers, just three, the, the clinical history the informed consent and the prescription, and that's it. I think that is, and now is improving um, because many doctors have been studying a lot of this subject. Every year we had uh, some seminaries in Colombia. Um, I have many colleagues that are calling me all the time. I want to know that, I want to learn. Please send me information. Just bring me just let me be with you in your consulting room for a day. I want to learn. What are you doing? You know, it's it's uh, it's not really as quick as we really want, but it's going a little bit uh, better than some years before.
0: In 2014, regulations finally started and the government began requiring licenses for growing, processing, and exporting cannabis, as well as for conducting research and even selling seeds. This has resulted in a significant investment boom, but patients are now somewhat at the mercy of the resulting bureaucracy, at least to a degree. This is where the patient's clinical data plays an important role in that it serves as evidence that the doctor has consulted with them and received from them their informed consent. Once these requirements have been met, you can now provide a specific prescription to the patient, and now you have a happy patient, a happy medical professional, and a satisfied bureaucrat. A triple whammy of sorts. Unlike certain U.S. states where to become a qualified patient to receive a cannabis prescription or recommendation from a cannabis-friendly doctor, if you can find one that is, in Colombia there is much less red tape and fewer bureaucratic hurdles to overcome, despite there being no dispensaries available. As Dr. Paula says, there still are issues to deal with, but things have been improving. So what is the most common method of ingestion for Dr. Paula's patients in Colombia?
1: Uh, most of them are using oils, just really concentrate oils, uh... Other patients are using VAPS, yes, mm-hmm. and no just smoke, VAPS, which is better. Some patients are, are using topic ways, and we are starting to work with suppositories.
0: In other words, Colombian physicians are prescribing their patients the most effective and least teen-friendly ways of consuming their cannabinoids. Oils such as RSO or FICO, which stands for Full Extract Cannabis Oil, are one of the most effective ways of providing whole plant medicine to patients without the harmful effects of smoking it. Same goes for vaporization. Topicals can of course be applied locally to target specific areas, and suppositories are perhaps the most efficient way of getting your medication as this method has shown to provide the greatest bioavailability of cannabinoids. So next time your doctor tells you to take your cannabis and shove it up your ass, ask him which lubricant he recommends most. So in Colombia, cannabis as medicine seems to have a bright future. But the country has also had to deal with its image and perception as a narco state. How is cannabis perceived now in the country since other countries have started warming up to the plant?
1: The thing in Colombia, as you know, we have a... How do you say? A... Narcotraffic problem uh, last years, but I think that uh, things are changing. Now we know that cannabis is not the plant that kills you, is that plant or the medicine that can help you, sometimes cure you, but always help you in different uh, things. What is the problem that? in the i think that in the in the population now they are changing changing their minds but one of the biggest problem is with some colleagues and some doctors that still think that cannabis is the uh, the entrance drug that cannabis kill your uh, brain cells that if you Are under uh, cannabis, you next you are going to stay in coca, in heroin, in many things, Uh, but things are changing. You know, uh, as our as our as the population every day is more sick, Uh, we have difficult chronic disease. People are starting to change their mind because you know when you are sick. You need to look at uh, different situ- solutions, and cannabis is one of these one. Uh, still, we have some stigma, but things are going better every day.
0: Sadly, Colombia still has doctors who believe in the gateway theory or that cannabis leads to brain damage, psychosis, etc. But in Colombia and many other countries around the world, you can see that people aren't buying this propaganda anymore especially in places where cannabis has had a presence for hundreds if not thousands of years. It's difficult to talk about drugs in Colombia, however, without mentioning the elephant in the room, specifically Pablo Escobar and drug trafficking. Colombia's had a reputation for drugs, mostly because of Pablo Escobar, but he certainly wasn't the only belligerent involved. I asked Dr. Paula what effect Escobar and narco-trafficking has had on the country.
1: You know, some people is uh, smart enough to, to, to recognize the difference between all of the drugs. But when you don't have any information, you think that all drugs are similar. And as in Colombia, we have a terrible problem, not with the drugs. The most problem for us was the war against the drugs because the prohibition is the worst problem. It's not the drugs as the drug. Because if you have... Uh, some education, some good information, people can uh, do better decisions and choose what they want. But when you just are doing a big war against the drugs, everything is going to be worst. Now, yes, we have in our past, Paulo Escobar, all the narcotraffic traffic time, but now if we really understand a little bit more about cannabis, this is a huge challenge to Colombia uh, to to base the page. It's like, yes, we have a terrible problem with the war of the drugs, but now we can be a country uh, which produce good medicine and which do a lot of research and can spread information to the rest of the world. It's a good thing because we have a lot of pain with the war against the drug, but now we can change this page. I don't know if this hope is for everybody, but for me as a doctor doing this this thing and uh, checking the patient and uh, looking what is going with them, for me it's a good hope in medical, historical, social and political way.
0: Medically, historically, socially and politically, Colombia certainly has changed over the past several decades. And a lot of this has to do with the acceptance of cannabis and using it as a medicine. This has led to an interesting turn of events where instead of trying to stop cannabis from leaving Colombia, Western countries are now trying to do business with the country on completely legal terms.
1: You know, as in 2014 started the regulation thing, uh, many, many people from different countries start to look at Colombia in a different way. Because as I told you, in Colombia you can grow cannabis all year, we have sunlight all year, we have a perfect weather. Now, many people from Canada is putting money in Colombia to grow here and then export uh, cannabis to Canada and to other countries. But I think that is if, I don't know if in Canada they have cannabis, they have enough cannabis for the recreational of the medicine. And I am thinking that they are looking at uh, different countries to grow there because it's going to be cheaper for them. Maybe it's the thing, but, you know, I'm working uh, in Colombia. I want to have this thing in Colombia and if we can export knowledge and everything is going to be perfect
0: exporting medicine and knowledge of cannabis is most definitely an excellent way of changing your country's reputation from a rogue narco state to a global supplier of life-saving medicine by choosing this path colombia is now taking part in a multi-billion dollar industry that in 2018 generated 12.2 billion dollars internationally and which, according to the reference book titled The State of Legal Marijuana Markets, is projected to grow by 38% in 2019. Another way the country's perception abroad has changed for the better is the employment of women growers. At Clever Leaves, which is a medical cannabis company founded in Bogota, 70% of the company's growers are Colombian women who are the primary breadwinners of their households. So, in addition to fighting the stigma associated with cannabis, Colombian cannabis companies are also getting into social equity and responsibility by supporting small-scale growers. It's beautifully ironic that, in a country ravaged by the drug war, it's one of the drugs themselves that is now being used to turn things around and help people, and not just locally, but around the globe. But, admittedly, all of this sounds a little too good to be true. Is Colombia really an El Dorado that isn't getting the attention it deserves? Or is there actual pushback from the authorities?
1: I'm not sure with this new government. Uh, With the last government, things were going faster. Now are going a little bit uh, slow. But as many patients know about that, I think that they are going to be the person who are going to push all this movement, but I think that a lot of uh, companies already have license here, a lot of companies have everything. Um, I think that is going to be fast. I don't know if as fast as we want, but it's going well.
0: So at least from a medical perspective, Colombia is definitely headed in the right direction with no major roadblocks coming from the government or pharmaceutical companies. In terms of non-medical use of cannabis, the situation is a little murkier than in countries such as Uruguay or Canada. Although the possession of up to 20 grams of cannabis flower for personal use has been legal since 1986, the conservative government signed a decree in October of 2018 that permits, among other things, the seizure of any amount of cannabis in a public space, which is actually a regressive policy. Dr. Paola did state that the current regime is right of center and hasn't been as cozy with cannabis supporters as previous governments have. But what will happen once this government is gone is yet to be determined. I asked Dr. Paola what she thought were the biggest challenges for cannabis in Colombia.
1: I think that the biggest challenge for doctors is start to open their minds. Start to look for different tools. Start to think more in the patients. Start to understand that medicine is a new thing every day. If you want to be a good doctor, you need to open your mind. Stop to have this misinformation. Stop to spread misinformation. Stop to say to the patient, don't do something like that. This is a safe tool. Uh, we need to start to study a little bit more. The thing is, uh, we need to relearn many things. And that means that you doctors have to do a big effort with that. Uh, For patients, uh, information is everywhere. Good information is everywhere as well. They are just looking all the time New things for them, which is very important because one of the most beautiful thing with cannabis is that the patient have the power to decide what is going to do. As you don't um, you don't find a lot of protocols, patients are the most important actor of this history. Why? Because as a doctor, I can say, okay, you need to have one drop per day, for three days, then two drops, then but If the patient feel well with one drop, why continue? The doses for this patient is one drop. Me- cannabis is personalized medicine, which is a big challenge because there are no protocols here. Every patient needs something special for them because you can have two patients with cancer, but maybe one of the patients is going to respond with more THC, the other is going to respond with more CBD, the other is going to respond with microdoses. Everybody is different because you are working with the endocannabinoid system, which is different in each patient.
0: According to Dr. Paula, a lot of the challenges cannabis supporters face, at least in Colombia, are from the ground up. They mostly involve learning about a plant that has remained in the dark due to prohibition, but also due to personal ignorance on the part of the medical community. Any other words of wisdom we can use in this regard?
1: Yes, the most important advice that I always have is uh, we must work together, as the plant teach us, as the plant have the entourage effect. As human, we need to work together or have the best results for the patients for this kind of beautiful medicine.
0: And this advice beautifully sums up the relationship humans have with the cannabis plant. Not only can we learn something from the plant itself, but we can do wonderful things by working with it, as well as with each other, in the so-called entourage effect. That's a wrap for episode 23. I am very grateful for this chat I had with Dr. Paola. She showed me the incredible progress Colombia has made with respect to cannabis, despite its very dark recent history with drugs and the drug war, and has reminded me how beautiful a country Colombia and its people are. If you'd like to find out more about medical cannabis in Colombia or hear more from Dr. Paola, you can contact her through her website www.paolapineda.com with links to her work as well as her social media. Once again, I am Bogdan. I will be back very soon with another episode. Until then, a la orden, parceros.